We're in this series, None Too Far. My name is John, by the way. I'm the pastor of the church here at the Gathering Place Church. We're in a series called None Too Far. And um, there are so many testimonies just in our own body, like a treasure chest of testimonies that so many of us have never even heard. I haven't even heard some of the people that I've been rubbing shoulders with and plowing the field with and the kingdom of God right here in the Gathering Place for many years. And uh, as we've started to hear people's testimonies, I'm starting to hear stories I never knew about so many of you. You know, there are people that are in our church that just think, I had well, one person, right? Uh, she gave her testimony a couple weeks ago, and uh, she said, Jesse said, she didn't feel comfortable in our church because she thought our church was full of perfect people. And then, yeah, and so, and then she found out, um, and then she met me, and, and it made her feel better. But we're going to hear a testimony this morning from Mary Paplava, which so many of you know, and you would have no idea how Jesus reached her. And then we're going to get into the message. But before I invite Mary up, I want to read a prayer that Mary's granddaughter, Imran, prayed just uh, last week. Uh, and how old is Imran? Seven years old. Here we go. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, right? God, thank you for making the sun. Thank you for making the earth. You are a beautiful man in heaven, and we love you even when you make mistakes. Keep going. Need to do a little more discipling there, Mary. Uh, I, just saying. I hope you have a nice day in heaven with your collection of souls. I love you. When I die, I will help you with your angels. Doesn't get any better than that. Let's walk. Let's walk a Mary Papava. Mary, Mary, Mary. So, where were you when Jesus reached you? Oh, that's tough. Yeah. Um, um, I was raised a Roman Catholic and went to Mass. I'm the, um, was born in 1950. I'm the second oldest of nine children, and we all went to Mass. Uh, every day I went to um, uh, parochial school, so I had religion class every day, and I even won the religion award. <laughs> I did second grade. Wow. Who made you? God made me. Why did he make you to love, honor, and serve him, et cetera, et cetera? So at any rate, I went through um, my eighth grades. In the ninth grade, I had one year in public school and then went to um, a girls' school in Boston. And I was so um, religious, you know, traditional, that I actually walked a, a mile and a half to church for Mass and a mile and a half back, um, even in the winter when there was snow. So anyway, you can tell that I was a, a committed religious person. Well, remember, I was born in 1950, so that was five years after World War II. Korean War started 1950 to 55, and then you had the, actually, the Vietnam War started in 55 to 75. So I was really born during wartime, right? And everyone knows the transition that happened with, uh, in the 60s, where there was rebellion because uh, of the draft, that they didn't want to go to war, a war way across the, the world that no one knows anything about. So at any rate, I was, I'm a child of that. I graduated high school in 69. 
went to college, and when I went to college, I started to slip, slip, slip. So I stopped going to Mass, um, went to the Christian Center once or twice, but always when I went home, I went back to Mass with all my family, but I'd, I'd lost my relationship with God, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, in uh, 1973, I even raided the men's steam room. We all had bathing suits on and towels, but we wanted equity. <laughs> we wanted equity. We didn't cover this part of her testimony. She's going, she's, she's off-roading right now. You need to know, though, I was rebellious in that way, right? So at any rate, um, I met my husband in 1976. He was a Roman Catholic. So we got married in church. We went back to Mass, so we tried to do it regularly. We got our children baptized, etc. We moved here in 82 to, to California, the wicked place. <laughs> and um, this happened in 1986. I, Sundays, you always spent reading the Sunday paper. And they had the big comic section in the back and your horoscope. And um, this one particular Sunday, they had a how to tell your fortune using playing cards. And I did it. And I thought, wow, this is accurate. And I got caught up in new age. Slide, please. Oh, right there. Look at that. First, so first, I, first of all, what, there's a little difference going on here. What oh. was that? <laughs> Wisdom. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, anyway, this is um, this is later. This is after I've I've come to know the Lord. Any anyway, rate, I got into tarot cards, uh, palmists, went to see Chandler's, uh, did rune stones. I had, I got really engaged and met other people, and they got me really engaged in the occult and a new age. So in 1989, my, uh, step, my, my husband's father died, and Jim stopped sleeping through the night. He went to psychiatrist, he tied sleeping pills, he tried everything, and nothing worked. And we have our own business, so it really put a damper on him when you, you need to make decisions and you can't sleep. So at any rate, um, Jim's mother said, why don't you talk to this Christian counselor that your dad spoke to? Well, he let him, uh, she, she, he did. This is March 1990. And she led him right to the Lord, uh, right away, and began counseling him. And he said, Mary's going to be a tough one. She's really into the new age. Yeah, so let's look at this real quick. We got, uh, show us the next slide. Next slide. All shows. the books she was into. What do we got here? How to, uh, how to read palms. Living in the Light, Tarot, tarot Made Easy, How to Read Palms. Um, those are rune stones. They're like ancient Indian stones. Uh, people of the tarot. I, I even belonged to newsletters and things. So you got deep, deep, yeah, deep, deep. I was really into it. So um, this is in March of 1990. So she was, she's a real true counselor. So she counseled Jim on the phone and said, you know, let me come out. And so she, was, uh, she came out and stayed at a hotel. Jim could see her after work and in the evenings. And two days before she was to leave, I said, you know, maybe I need to see that lady so I can know how to help Jim, right? <laughs> I got in there. Okay, let's, okay. Well, we'll wait. I'll show you in a minute. So at any rate, she, um, she led me to the Lord within five minutes. She says, now, do you know Jesus? I said, sure. I was a Catholic. And uh, she said, do you really know Jesus? And then she went through the salvation message with me, so I gave my heart to the Lord. 
And um, two nights later, she came to our home and led all three of our sons to the Lord. So we, the whole family, and she said, I got to get you into church. I got to get you spirit filled, (laughs) you know. And she said, you need to be the, read the Bible. So um, at any rate, let's show the other pictures. Yeah, so look, let's look what happened. Look at her go. So I put him in the trash can, every single thing, and I burnt that baby, right? So... Okay, next one. So this is me at my baptism. And that was December 31st, 1991. And I've been a blood-washed, soul-winning, loving Jesus girl ever since. (laughs) Amen. Great job. Great job, Mary. So good. So good. So good. Amen. Let's just all say, thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, man. There are none too far. That's the series that we are in right now. I want everybody to say out loud. One more time. It's a process. Everything in life is a process. Nothing is microwave. There's no drive-through anything, right? I mean, whether it is uh, the gestation of a baby, right? You, you, you uh, your preemies, that, that's, that's problematic, right? I mean, you need that baby needs that full nine months or, or whether it's child development, you don't expect a five-year-old to be behaving like a 15-year-old or a 15-year-old like a five-year-old or building a house, you know, it's like you're driving down the road. All of a sudden there's a house. Well, where'd that house come from? Well, there's a lot of, there was a lot of work in the foundation that you didn't even see. Uh, my dad was a, a home developer and I know, you know, finding the land, zoning the land, developing the land, doing the foundation. And then the house just pops up because that's the fast part. But it looks like it happened overnight, but it certainly didn't. Photosynthesis or bones healing or your wife getting ready to go on a date. It's just all a very long process, right? And, oh, I'm sorry. I mean, it's like, okay, two hours later. And, uh, or the process of a, a husband actually listening and understanding what you are trying to tell him. It's all a very long process, isn't it? Everything in life is a process. And uh, I was driving down the road the other day and I took pa- Scripps Poway Parkway and I was so frustrated because there's road construction, right? You guys been down Scripps Poway Parkway lately? Oh my gosh, man. And we had to get someplace in a hurry. So I decided that I was going to take the back route down Pomerado, go down to the 15. And I get on that, and I'm going down, and I, 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 I took a wrong turn. And all it did was loop us all the way back around and land us back on Scripps Power Parkway. I was so frustrated. And then I did it again yesterday. My wife and I were going out to PB. We are going to go out to, to lunch, and I hit Scripps Power Parkway again. I was so frustrated. However, when the construction is done on a road or a freeway, it's like, this is nice. It's smoother. All the potholes are taken care of. It's wider. It's safer. That's the way God works in our lives. It's frustrating at times. You want to get there faster, right? You want your wife or your husband to become the person you know they can be. You want your kids to grow up faster. Be more mature. John, he's five. I know, but she said that to me over and over and over again when my kids were young. We had five kids under the age of seven. My, my staff bought me a t-shirt that said 5KU7, uh, five kids under the age of seven. 
And she'd always say to me, John, they're children. John, they're children. John, they're children. And then she would always say to me, you need to act more mature than them. And that was really frustrating. <laughs> it's all the process. I was watching my daughter do a uh, love offering for a, a, a labor of love for hope. Hope wanted scone. She's sitting on the couch. My wife, for those who don't know, she's battling stage four cancer. She's at home uh, watching us online right now. And so, you know, we, we just, you know, my daughters will say, honey, a mom, or what would make you happy? And Hope says to Lily the other day, I, I want you to make me scones. And so Lily, you know, does this labor of love and she's in the kitchen and she's like, she's got this, uh, this, this hand cutter thing, you know, and she's cutting, you got to cut the butter and the flour and, and the milk, I think it was. And you got to keep doing it like this until it's all, it binds together, right? And, and if you don't, it's lumpy. And she's doing this and doing this and doing this. And she had to do it for like 20 minutes. Well, about 10 minutes into it, you know, the labor of love just became labor. There wasn't any more love in it whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, she was complaining, she was whining, you know, about it, you know, she goes, this is so frustrating, but, you know, if you don't do that until, if you don't do it all the way through, you know, it's lumpy, and some of you are just lumpy, some of you are lumpier than others, because, because God isn't done with you yet, you are in process, some of you are lumpier longer than you need to be, because you're, you know, not partnering with God in the process, you know, you need to forgive that person. No, I won't. That's just big lumpiness inside of you, right? It's just like bitterness and resentment or, or the jealousy or the anger or the lust or the greed or, you know, whatever it might be that we're battling with. And the Lord is trying to make us look like Jesus. And it is, everybody say it's a process. I love this scripture, Philippians 1, 6. And I am certain, the apostle Paul said, not a question mark, an exclamation point. I am certain that God who began the good work. Everybody say good work. work. See, it's work. (laughs) Construction. We're all under construction. It's work. No perfect people allowed. If you're perfect, please leave. You will not be happy here because we are all under construction. We're all in process. Go bless another church. You and Jesus. The only two perfect ones on on the planet. Who began to work within you will continue. Say, will continue. Come on. God's never going to give up on you. He will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ returns. We are a come-as-you-are church, but we are not a stay-as-you-are church. God loves you just as you are, but He loves you too much to leave you as you are. He also loves the people around you too much to leave you as you are. And He loves the world too much to leave us the way we are because we are God's reach to those who are none too far. I'm going to talk next week about the condition of the church and how... um, uh, God, I mean, his plan A is to use the church to save the world. So we got to get our act together. The last couple of years have been brutal, but the church needs to recover. As you have heard me say in my, my December fast, uh, the Lord said to me, I said, what are you doing in 2022? He said, the restoration of the church for the salvation of the world. And so we are on, uh, we are on our trajectory of that direction. Myself, Miles McPherson, and... Um, Robert Herber over at All People's Church are putting together another pastor's gathering coming up next month where we're gathering pastors from all over the city. We also are inviting some of the guys and gals who have been serving the kingdom of God for 50 plus years in our city to come on a panel, talk to us 
about longevity in ministry. Let's lead this church into its destiny. Right now, uh, the church is poised to set its trajectory for the next generation. And we need leaders to lead us as godly men and women forward into the future of the church because, again, the church is Jesus' vehicle to save the world. Can I hear an amen? amen? Now, the process is not pretty. It's not quick. It's not easy, but the results will be worth it. So just like Jesus is in process with you, helping you and I look, smell, taste, sound, walk like Jesus, he is also in process of reaching those who have not yet come to him. That is a process also. The process Mary just shared. You know, Jesus didn't start working on you after you came to him. He was working on you, drawing you, wooing you from the day you were born. The father has children that are wayward all over the planet, and he wants them to come home. We heard last week uh, Dara Lee's testimony. For those of you who don't know Dara Lee, uh, she uh, and Josh, who has led worship today, uh, Josh and Dara Lee Hamilton, um, a young couple in our church. I can say young because I'm 59 and they're 30-something, so they're young. I was talking to a person in his uh, 80s, and they were talking about a young, a young uh, somebody, yeah, this young man, and I think he was like 62. So it's all relative, right? And uh, she was talking about her testimony and how... Uh, you know, the word of knowledge, for those of you who don't know what a word of knowledge is, that's when the Holy Spirit tells you something about somebody. There's no way you can know it any other way than if the Holy Spirit didn't just give you information about somebody. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14. It's called a word of knowledge. It's a gift, a supernatural gift of the Holy Spirit. So Dara Lee gave her testimony. I won't tell the whole thing again. You can catch it online. Um, she talked about all her journey all the way up to where she finally just gave her life to Christ. Well, the the end of the story was when she's at a bank and the teller, not a preacher, not a pastor, not an apostle, not a, a professional clergy, just the average believer at work. So important. Just feels like God has, has a word for Dara Lee. Now you got to take a risk in that environment, right? As a believer, a couple of risks. One, if I start talking to somebody about Jesus at work, that could get me in trouble. Secondly, what if I'm wrong? What if I think I know something about somebody? What if I think I have a word from God, but it's not? I'll look like a fool. Well, if you don't take a risk, you're not going to see the kingdom. He took a risk and said, I just wanted to say, I feel like God has a word for you. That girls go from relationship to relationship to relationship trying to find, you know, peace and and, and contentment and joy. And and Jesus is the only one that's going to be able to do that for you. And what he did not know was the process. Everybody say it's a process. He did not know the process that brought Dara Lee to that point, and that just cracked the nut, man. I mean, she just fell apart. She said she was bawling at his desk, and she left there, drove five hours back to her hometown, and went straight to church, made it to the evening service, ran up front when the altar call was given, gave her life to Jesus. Now, what do you think the pastor was thinking at that point? My sermon must have been amazing. Look what that, look what I did tonight with my anointing and my personality and my delivery. I knew that was a good one. Yeah. No, man. He reaped what somebody else had sowed and somebody else had watered. He just got the benefit of being there at the right place at the right time. 
He could have been preaching on Santa Claus and she would have got saved, right? Everybody say it's a process. The same with Dennis. He gave his testimony uh, last week, the week before, I think it was last week. And he talks about how he got zapped by the Holy Spirit. He talks about how he ended up in his, his friend's you know, uh, house and the power of God came on him. Well, that wasn't, that wasn't, it. That wasn't a microwave drive through you know, I had never heard of Jesus before. And then one night the power of God fell upon me. No, he told his testimony, his brokenness, his lostness, his drug addiction, his confusion, same with Dara Lee, her trust issues, her emptiness, all of that's part of the process. God is using people's emptiness and loneliness and trust issues and intolerance and pride and, and all, he's using all of that to bring people home to him. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And we need to be part of that process. Until you make a commitment to make your primary mission the Great Commission, which is Can anybody give me the Great Commission? Come on, church. Make me happy today. What's the Great Commission? Besides besides the paid staff. Please, somebody. The Great Commission. Go, therefore. Where are we going to go? And and everywhere. To everybody. Go in the world. Amen. And make disciples of all men and women, boys and girls. Teaching them. Everything I've taught you, baptize them, the whole thing, right? That's our great co- that commission. What do you mean a commission? It's a partnership between who? Jesus and? Yes, there's one. Okay, we got one, Jesus. I caught a disciple right here. Okay, the commission is, means there's a partnership. Jesus and who? Me. All right, one more time. Jesus and who? Me. Yeah. The co-mission is Jesus and the church reaching the world. The Spirit and the bride say, come. The last chapter in the Bible. The Spirit and the bride say, come. The bride is the church. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Until you make the great commission, your primary mission in life, you will never be a part of God's primary purpose for your life. You'll never be fully satisfied as a believer. Jesus said, come. Follow me, and I'll make all your wildest dreams come true, like Pedro did in, in uh, Napoleon Dynamite, right? For those of you who know that movie, Napoleon just tells, you know, he says, I, Pedro says, I got to give a, 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 my speech to the student body. I want to be the president of the student body. What should I say? And Napoleon says, just tell, just tell them you'll make all the wildest dreams come true, which that's what he said, and he won, of course. This, in a consumerism culture... It will just, it's just, we're the, we're the byproduct of being raised in a consumer's culture. We are always trying to get God to be on our page. God bless what I'm doing. Give me, give me, give me. My name is Jimmy, right? We just, we just, you know, we pray our prayers and then when he doesn't answer them, we get mad at him. Now, rather than Jesus said, if you would put my kingdom Fifth. Third? If you will put my kingdom 
I, Jesus said, will add all the things to you that the Gentiles who don't know God are seeking after. Well, what does it mean to put his kingdom first? Souls, people who are far from God. The kingdom expanding as people filling up heaven. Until you and I make a deep commitment that our primary commission in life, our primary purpose is reaching those who are far from God, we will never fulfill God's purpose for our lives. 1 Corinthians 3, 5, and 9. Everybody say it's a process. How It is a process. So look at this. Here's the process. After all, Paul says at the Corinthian church, to the San Diego church, the gathering place church, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believed the good news. That's part of the process. They preached, they believed. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it. But it was God who made it grow. It is not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. Do you want to be rewarded when you get to heaven? I don't want to just eke into heaven. Some people are like, hey, as long as I make it. Oh, that's pretty selfish. How about bringing some people with you? Just saying. All right, here we go. And both will be rewarded for their hard work, for we are both God's workers, and you are God's field, you are God's building. So here's the process. Sowing, watering, growing, reaping. Say this with me. Sowing, watering, growing, reaping. Okay, who does the sowing, watering, and reaping part? Rick. That's right. It's Rick. I'm going to ask you again. Come on, you guys. This, I know it's a pop quiz, but it's really easy. Who does the sowing, watering, and reaping part? Rick. We do. Rick. 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 Okay. Rick. <laughs> All right. All right. Now. <laughs> Who does, who does the growing part? God does. God does the growing part. Now, as it relates to someone coming, for those of you visiting today or watching online, I can't control this bunch. I, it's a lot easier to pastor a dead church, right? They're just looking at their watches, waiting to when it's going to be over. But when you're alive, it's a lot harder. As it relates to someone coming to Jesus who is far from God right now, at any given moment, with any given person, in any given situation, you are either sowing, watering, or reaping. And you need to be committed to all three of those. I I used to do a a Bible study before church. It was called Marketplace Minister because I was in business in San Diego before I was a pastor. And so I know what it's like to be in the business world, go to church on Sundays, but the rest of the time I'm out in the business sector. And so, you know, my, my secretary one time came to me and she said, this isn't, this isn't a business. That's a front. This is a mission field because man, I was just leading everybody I could to the Lord. And when they came into the office, because my mission was the great commission, no matter where I was, it was thrilling. So many people came to the Lord through that business. Um, but when I became a pastor, I have such a heart for those, for everybody who's not, quote, the professional clergy. And so I did a Bible study before church, and it was called Marketplace Ministers Bible Study. I ended up ordaining nine of them that were in the group, brought them up on stage, laid hands on them, and said, you are in the ministry as much as I'm in the ministry. 
My ministry is behind the pulpit. Your ministry is behind your computer or in front of a, a client or, you know, with a, if you're a mechanic, your customer. That is your mission field. That's your oikos. That's your circle of influence. And my job is to equip you to reach those who are far from God wherever you work, play, live. Amen? Amen. And so one of the ladies that was in our group completely rejected the whole concept that she's a reaper. I just, I heard it, she said this. I heard a sermon 30 years ago that some are sowers, some are waterers, and some are reapers. And I, I, I knew in that moment, I'm not a reaper. You know what I mean by reaping, right? It's a, it's a farming terminology where, you know, when the grain's ripe, then you reap it, right? And so, you, you, you know, you uh, extrapolate that into what Jesus talks about. He, he uses that farming analogy for uh, leading somebody across the line to Christ. In other words, the, the, the maturation process of a person that's in process. Everybody say it's a process. You know, they've been so, the sowing has happened, the watering has happened, and then they're ready to come. And so the lady leads, leads Mary to the Lord in five minutes, right? Well, she reaped Mary. That, so now Mary is a daughter of God. That was a reaping moment. And so this lady said, I'm not a reaper. I, I sow and I water. And the whole group rejected, rejected that. And she got angry at us because the, the, pre, the, the premise of that group, you could not be a part of that Bible study I was leading if you were not willing to either share or show Christ uh, every week. And then you come back and we go around the circle. How did you share or show Christ this week in the marketplace? And so we talked about us all having to commit to the sowing, the watering, and the reaping. She got mad at us and she gave her best pitch. Now, I know that God told me I'm not a reaper. And we all said, God would never tell you that. He doesn't contradict himself. Jesus said, go into all the world. And then, you know, sow, water, reap. She finally caved and agreed that we were right, but she wasn't happy about it. She worked in hospice. No, no opportunities there. <laughs> Isn't that horrible, though? Think about it. I mean, so horrible. Oh, my gosh. I mean, her occupation was to be with people as they pass into eternity, but somebody told her or she interpreted a message inaccurately that she was not a reaper. The first person she led to the Lord that week was her mom. She said that she had witnessed her mom so many times, but never asked the question, are you ready? Have you ever asked that question to somebody? I'm going to give you my goal right now for our church, and this might intimidate you, but this is my goal for us this year, that everyone leads one to Christ this year. Everyone leads one to Christ this year. It's like, oh, it just got real in here. <laughs> and online, you don't get left off the hook. Nah. Everyone leads one to Christ this year. Now look, whether you do or don't, if you'll make that your commitment, I'm promising you, you will see God start, start uh, working with you toward that end. Maybe you'll sow more than you ever did. Maybe you'll water more than you ever did. And somebody will come to Christ because you're committed to the process. It got really quiet in here. So she led her mom to the Lord. Then she led another person to the Lord. Then another person to the Lord. Then another person to the Lord. She led more people to Jesus than the entire rest of the group combined. It was Connie. Jeff, it was Connie I'm talking about. Yeah. Connie DeLong. Wow. Trying to shh. 
shake. You guys awake. Open up the gates. Let the horses out. And there's an urgency because eternity is forever and people are dying every day. And so we have got to understand who we are and what God has called us to do and God has called us to be. 2 Peter 3, 9, here's the heart of God. This means that contrary to man's perspective, the Lord is not late with his promise to return. People are saying, oh, you guys say that Jesus is going to return. It's been 2,000 years. And they're just mocking our theology. But Peter says, this means that contrary to man's perspective, the Lord is not late with his promise to return. Because they were saying that all the way back in the first century. That's why Peter wrote this. Now they're saying in the 21st century. As some measure lateness, but rather his delay simply reveals his loving patience toward you. Because he does not want any, everybody say any, he does not want any person on the planet to perish, but that all would come to repentance. The restoration of the church for the salvation of the world is what the Lord spoke to my heart. Part of the restoration of the church is getting on God's page. Focusing on what he's focusing on, which is individuals who are far from him. You've heard me say this to you for the last two years, but it needs to continually be said. We have taken our eyes off the ball. We've gotten our eyes on politics, pandemics, personal pursuits, our own prosperity. We're fighting over masks, mandates, vaccines, presidential elections. We are fighting and dividing over all these secondary, temporary, divisive issues. And people are dying and going to spend an eternity without God. And if you're winning arguments and blowing up relational bridges, you're losing. I will not get into a conversation with people on these topics if it is going to ruin our relationship. Not doing it anymore. We have got to heal. I was speaking to, well, now I'm getting into next week's message, but I was speaking to a, a gentleman yesterday on the phone. He was the high school principal of uh, Mount Carmel for 20 years in Poway for 10 years. And uh, we're doing some work together with the other principals in the city. And, and we were on the phone last night and we were talking about the condition of the world, um, whether it's parents at school students at school or people in churches, you know, his sector, my sector, we were talking about the overlap and the behavior of people. And, and, um, it's devastating for the world to see the way the church is behaving, devastating to the world to see how believers are be- behaving toward one another, not forgiving one another, devices, offenses, uh, personal preferences, all on, all on issues that have nothing to do with the gospel, the advancement of the church, the kingdom of God. And they're watching. So we had a deep conversation about, about that. And uh, I'll get a little more into that next week. But So I guess you 
might not want to come next week now that I've told you what I'm talking about. But I do want to say this, what Paul says in 2 Timothy. This is so important. We need to separate, we need to separate, we need to separate something here. No one, Paul says to Timothy, no one engaged in warfare entangles. Everybody say entangles. Entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Are these, are these issues important? Yeah. I'm passionate about all the issues I just told you. Just ask my wife, my kids, people that know me. I'm very passionate about those things. But not as passionate as I am about the gospel of Jesus Christ, reaching those who are far from him, and the healing and the unity of the church. That's got to be premier to all these other issues. Or we're no better than anybody else, and we are going to abort our mission as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is it worth it? No one engaged in warfare. You guys know we're in a spiritual war, right? What's the spiritual war over? What, what's, the, what's the prize? Souls. Souls, people, individuals who are far from God. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. That word entangled means caused to become twisted together with or caught in. It's like, like a fish that gets caught in a net, gets tangled or you know, uh, um, or in a, uh, you know, like a whale that gets caught in a net and it's not supposed to get caught and it's tangled, it's trapped or a, or a bird in a, in a, in a fowler snare. Some of you are caught. Some of us are caught. Some of us are entangled in the, entangled in the affairs of this life. Entangled involves someone in difficulties or complicated circumstances from which it's difficult to escape. And you've been rendered ineffective in your spiritual growth or in reaching others for Christ because we've got ourselves entangled. Are we to be in, in, involved in the, these areas? Yes. We're to be influencers in all seven mountains of society. Are we to be entangled? What is a soldier focused on when he or she is on the battlefield? Winning, rescuing, staying alive, staying in their troop, staying focused on the mission. Otherwise, his or her life's in danger and all those around them lives are in danger. If you are winning arguments and blowing up relational bridges, you are losing. Proverbs 11.30 says this, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and those who wins souls is wise i was uh there's a person that i'm hoping to draw back to the lord that i've been building a rapport with this person for a number of months and i've been waiting for the opportunity where he trusts me enough to ask about his spiritual condition and on his spiritual journey and i felt like a couple weeks ago that moment had come and the, the, the situation presented itself and it was just a perfect moment. I knew that I had built enough trust with this individual that I could ask a very direct question about their spiritual condition. But he heard me talking to the couple people next to me. It was at a restaurant. He's a waiter. The person next to me, and I've been going in there on purpose uh, so that I keep exposing myself to this particular person so that we could build a relationship. 
Remember I said if your primary mission is not the great co-mission, you're not going to understand God's purpose for your life. And so I go to that restaurant on purpose just so I can connect with this person. Yet he heard me talking to the couple next to me about vaccines. And so he came back to the table and he said, I overheard you talking to that person about vaccines. What, what, what were you saying? And we got to talking about it. Well, we're on the opposite, we're on the opposite sides of that issue. And we started getting into it. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Stupid, right? Like you, I see the look on your face. I can read your mind right now. That is really disrespectful of you to be <laughs> thinking that about your pastor. And, and then he had to take care of another customer. And I said to myself, you idiot. He came back to the table and said, hey, let's get off that topic. I want to ask you another question. How did you get here from there? He's what I call de-churched. Used to be in church. Knows the Bible. And yet, you're not going to church anymore, and I can see you're not happy. What happened? And he just became vulnerable and open. We had the most beautiful, it was like holy ground, man. I felt privileged that he would trust me with his and then the Lord gave me a word of knowledge. And it just was right on. And that's still in process. But I almost blew it because we're, we're going to argue about vaccines. Okay, I want to close with what Jesus says about this. John. Yeah, come on up. Pastor Mark's got something to say. It's pretty good stuff, isn't it? He's become such a good teacher. I've really taught him a lot. I'm very pleased. Um, I was thinking about um, sowing, watering, and reaping. And like Connie had this identity that she didn't do the third, she did the first two. And I think, you know, we're all called to be all three, right? But the tricky question is, when do you do which? Mm-hmm. Yep. And there is no formula for when you do which. There's no, okay, in this circumstance, this is what you do. And in this circumstance, this is what you do. It it has to be guided by the Spirit, which requires a listening ear pretty much constantly to what the Lord might be doing. So here's the story. It's the best thing I've ever experienced on this lesson. And some of you heard it before, but some of you haven't, so it's totally worth hearing again. Um, I had an, uh, an infection, and I had to go for a radiological CAT scan. So I went to the Kaiser facility in, off Twin Peaks, and they injected this dye, and they did the thing. And then the nurse said when I was done, you need to go drink some water right away. Drink as much water as you can to flush the stuff out of your system. So I'm walking across the foyer, and I see this young guy loading the water machines with bottles of water. And I thought, oh, I'd get a water from him. So I walked over and said, listen, I know I, you're in the middle of this, but I'll give you a dollar or whatever. Sell me a bottle of water. So he did, and uh, I got my water, and I'm walking across the foyer, and this thought very strongly says, this thought comes, go back and tell him about me. And I said no. So I kept on walking, and I got to the door, and I opened the door, and this thought said, go back and tell him about me. And I said no, I don't want to. And I'm just being honest with you. It's inconvenient. It's inconvenient, and it's it's embarrassing and potentially ugly. So, and I've got my image to take care of, all right? So I'm not going to do it. So this isn't Sunday, so I don't have to be a Christian, right? 
No one's paying me this morning, so I can just do whatever I want. So, I, I'm, well, I'm just being honest. <clears throat> so I, I cross the building, and I'm about to step off the curb, and the third comes, go back and tell him about me. And I'm busted. So I said, oh, God. I said, you know, every morning I have my quiet time, and I tell you that my life belongs to you, and you can spend it any way you want, and you just have to tell me what to do, and I'll do it. I said, I don't want to do it. But, I, didn't, I didn't really mean it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was just doing the religious thing, you know, the nice little precious moment that I'll soon neglect when I get back to my life. So um, I said, okay, all right, all right, all right, I'll do it. But I said, throw me a bone. We talked like that with each other. I said, throw me a bone. How am I supposed to approach this kid? And he said, thought, said, go back and ask him the question. In the last 10 days... Have you been wondering how you can know God? I said, well, that's easy. So I went back and I said, hey, excuse me, I'm the guy with the water. He said, yeah, yeah. I said, look, I know I said, I know this is crazy, but um, I'm a Christian and uh, sometimes I think God kind of tells me to do stuff. And he told me to come back and ask you a question. Are you interested in the question? And he said, yeah. I said, well, he told me to ask you, in the last 10 days, have you been wondering how you can know me. And he just looked at me and said, yeah, yeah. I said, do you want to know him? He said, yeah. I said, well, let me explain how it works. And I did the, <clears throat> there is a God, he's perfect, you're not, creates a problem, need to get saved, you need, to, you need forgiveness, you need to know him. He, yes, 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 yes. And he gets saved. And it's fantastic. And I'm like thrilled. And then I said, out of my Mind into my mind pops this one thing. I said, you know, this is really important for you to understand something. He, uh, he wants to know you a lot more than you ever wanted to know him. And he just, his eyes pop up and he goes, that's what happened. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, I was at the market 10 days ago picking up groceries. And this old man comes up to me who I've never seen before. And he says, young man, God wants to know you. Hmm. He said, that, he said that, that's what happened. And I said, wow, man, that's really cool. And he says, yeah. And then a couple days later, I was at the same market, and this old lady came up to me, and she said, young man, God says you're not supposed to leave your wife. I said, are you married? He said, yeah. I said, were you planning on leaving your wife? He said, yeah, but not now. Hmm. So, Tell him where to get a Bible, find a good church, you know, a little counseling, and off I go. And I'm driving back, and you know like you're walking on air, right? Because you just, you were in cahoots with God. You got used by God. It's just no feeling, there's no feeling like no, that. It's no. just the best. So I'm driving, and I'm thinking about the old man and the woman, right? And here's what I'm imagining. I'm imagining they go to their connect group, and they're sitting in the connect group, and the leader says, does anyone have a God story this exactly. week? Uh, did, did anyone have an encounter with anyone, you know, yeah. in the name of the Lord kind of thing? And the old man puts up his hand and he says, uh, yeah, I was at uh, the grocery store and the Lord told me to tell this guy that God really wanted to know him. And, of course, the leader, who's thinking religiously, well, you, you, you explain salvation to him, right? Uh, no. Well, you should have closed the deal. You should have reaped. Why, did, why didn't you lead him to the Lord? I don't know. I just 
told him what I thought God said to him. And then I imagined the old lady at her connect group. Anybody have a God story? Yeah, I think I was told this guy's not supposed to leave his wife. Well, you closed the deal, didn't you? You led him to the Lord, didn't you? Oh, I don't know. I just gave what I thought I got. So, water, water grow, grow, and I get to reap. reap. See? Yep. But we won't do it right unless we're in tune with the guidance of the Holy Spirit because salvation's not a program. It's a process. It's a divine process. It's not a program. It's a process. And the only way you're going to know the difference between a program and a process is if you're in communication with the one who sees it all. Amen. Okay? Amen. Well, I will finish the rest of my sermon next week. (laughs) And that was worth it. That's okay. That was the Holy Spirit, right? And so we like to say at our church, we're so organized, we can afford to be spontaneous. We allow the Holy Spirit to do what He wants to do. And so, but I want to say something on what Mark just said. You're not going to do it perfectly. No perfect people allowed. Many of you, I believe this is from the Holy Spirit, are not stepping out and taking risks to tell people about Jesus because you're afraid you're not going to say the right thing. You're not. You're going to say it clumsily. You're not going to say it perfectly. But the Holy Spirit uses imperfect people to save the world. Because it's not your delivery that saves people. It's the message. The gospel is the power of God to salvation to those who believe it. And so I've walked away from so many situations where I've blown it. It's like, man, gosh, I wish I'd said that or did that differently or didn't say that. Anybody here? Anybody here? Anybody? Yeah, right. Okay. And you just keep at it and you keep at it and you get better at it. But we're going to be making mistakes all along the way. But we're all Jesus has to use. We're it. And he's pleased to use us. So I want to ask that all of us, I want to do two things as we close today. I want you to make a commitment in your heart that you are going to commit to being a sower, a waterer, and a reaper from this day forward. That is your great commission that Jesus gave to you. I'm just retelling it to you today. And I'm telling you that you will find your relationship with God being more dynamic, more exciting. You're going to experience His power uh, in your life more, more powerfully than ever. Because if you're after what He's after, which is those who are far from Him, you're going to feel Him and see His activity in your life more than ever. So I'm going to ask you to make that commitment right now in your heart. Just close your eyes. And if you'll just... rather than just parroting this prayer I'm going to ask you to first in your heart before you and the Lord make that commitment I'm going to give you a moment and then I'm going to lead you in a prayer as you're making this commitment 
to the Great Commission and to being a sower, a waterer, and a reaper. I'm going to ask you in your heart, as you're making this commitment, you're also making the commitment to not be entangled in secondary issues that are going to take your eyes off of the primary mission, which is the very person that you are arguing with over these secondary issues is the very person God's trying to reach through you. And so if you will, in your heart, church, make the commitment to let secondary matters not entangle you as you are trying to reach those who are far from God. You can even ask the Lord right now to forgive you for allowing those things to take you off your divine assignment. And now I'm going to lead you into prayer and let's make this fresh commitment. Say, dear Jesus, I want to be on your page. I want you to use me to sow, to water, and to reap people who are far from you. And say, Holy Spirit, use me. Help me to be a peacemaker not a divider for your purposes and for your glory amen 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 let's all stand and uh, Josh is going to lead us in worship as we're closing out our day I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come up And if you have sickness in your body and you want Jesus to do a miracle, if you've never given your life to Jesus before, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. If you've never come into Christ before, I'm going to have you pray this prayer. Those of you online, anybody here, just say to the Lord, dear Jesus, I've never given my life to you before, but I need my sins forgiven. I need to know that I'm right with you. I'm asking you to come into my life now. Forgive me of my sins. I turn my life over to you. Maybe some of you online and some of you here today, you're here today, but your heart is far from God. Or you're not as close as you used to be. And you want to reconcile with the Lord. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer in your heart to the Lord right now. Say, dear Jesus, I'm not as close to you as I used to be, but I want to be. So I'm asking you to forgive me for my backsliding. Here's from the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, forgive me for making that sin more important to me than my friendship with you. I ask you to break that addiction. Forgive me. 
cleanse me, fill me, and draw me back. Now I pray now that you receive the grace of God upon you. He forgives you completely and entirely, and you are made brand new this morning. His blood is enough for you. You don't need to do any penance. He did that for you on the cross. Just receive His forgiveness completely and freely and fully. You are cleansed. You are washed. You are pure and white as the driven snow. Now as Josh leads us in worship in Olivia, love your shirt. Whose shirt wins today? The lamb that is saying to the lion, I'm with him, pointing to Jesus, or no perfect people allowed t-shirt? It's a tie. All right, it's a tie. As they lead us in worship today, if you need prayer, please come up front. If you need prayer for salvation, healing, or deliverance, please come up front. A lot of times miracles happen up here. Supernatural stuff happens up here. Otherwise, God bless you. Go be the salt and light of the world and sow, water, and reap in Jesus' name. God bless. Nothing can separate Even if I ran away Your love never fails I know I still make mistakes, but you have new mercies for me every day. Your love never fails. You stay the same. You stay the same through the ages. Your love never changes. Maybe pain in the night, joy comes in the morning. together.
Welcome table and sign up for Read Through the Bible in 2022. We also have the 201 class. Be blessed. This week, we'll see you next Sunday.